Hi, I'm Garrett, and welcome to The Conversation. I think conversation is one of the most important tools we have for building and maintaining genuine relationships. In the age of the internet and social media, the conversation is a dying art. While we're technically more connected than ever, it seems more difficult than ever to engage with alternative perspectives in a meaningful way. We talk past each other and speak totally different languages without even knowing it. This show is my attempt at working on that problem. I'm trying to learn how to have meaningful conversation and practice what I learn. It's partly an experiment. Maybe if I start having more difficult conversations, I can get better at it. Maybe we can all get better at it. I don't know how this experiment's going to turn out, but hey, this could be interesting. Okay, great. Well, we're, we're already recording, so I'm, I'm going to kind of like just pick a good time that seems wherever basically wherever it starts to get interesting where you know okay yeah so sure. we can yeah you can edit edit whatever you need to and and just as a as a heads up i have a tiny cough okay so if you need to um i'm, I'm just drinking lots of tea so okay be okay no worries um, that's but that, just if i talk this is lot, like I the worst time in the world to have a tiny cough <laughs> no i know it's like oh it's just it's just the, the worst i've had like yeah, cough medicine, and it's like, yeah, you know, I, I'm teaching in-person lessons. Yeah, well. yeah, because you guys are open, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. That's it's pretty... I'm it's so pretty jealous. <laughs> it's it's almost embarrassing how good it is, you know, and it's like you can't, I can't really, I don't, I feel, it feels quite uncomfortable to talk about, you know. <laughs> because everyone else is so screwed. But, um, yeah, but it's, I mean, we, we wear masks on public transport, well, maybe... Okay. Yeah, I mean, that that probably should have been a requirement f- since public transport became a thing in the first place. It's so, the, you'll never run into like I've I've been in the public transport in New York and in Montreal and mm-hmm. uh, a few other places, and it's oh yeah, even in in, in Hong Kong, and just no matter where you go, nobody ha- actually no Hong Kong was was surprisingly clean, but everybody mm-hmm. else, everywhere else I've been, is always like the dirtiest place in the entire city is the public transport. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I guess yeah, you're you're yeah. familiar with the New York one. <laughs> I, I'm too familiar with oh, New York. Oh man! I wish I, I I have always hated it. <laughs> it's so confusing too. It. It's just I mean it's always just such a mess. And I actually lived in an apartment that backed onto the subway station, so I yeah. heard every announcement every ten minutes. Oh, I heard like this is really? a Manhattan bound Q train. <laughs> like yeah, and you could hear all the station. Like there was a person in the booth, and right. they would you know if something went wrong, which was pretty much daily. <laughs> They would, they would just announce, but and there was one person that would yell. They'll be oh, like, great. "There are no more Manhattan-bound trains. You gotta go down and just yell all these." And and, this, and you could just hear people just like swearing, and you could hear all the footsteps. Right. And then, like, literally thirty seconds later, you would hear a train pull up. They're like, "This is a Manhattan-bound." You know, you could just hear everyone like, hold the doors. Like, everything was just a disaster. This was like, they had like a speaker? This was like all right outside where you live? You're in an apartment, I assumed. Yeah, Uh, it was a house um, in Brooklyn. Okay. um, Yeah, but clearly no double glazing on the windows. So it was (laughs) an older house. And so it was was like the person in the booth was in my bedroom just yelling at me about the train. Yeah. See, I live near a train as well, but it's like a... Mm -hmm. It's it's so it's sort of loud, but it's kind of dreamy. Like it's it you don't ever hear anybody yelling. It's just like a nice, oh. n- a nice chew. 
Nice choo-choo, right? right? Oh my gosh, that's so nice. <laughs> there was one guy that actually one one and um you know the person in the booth sounded a bit like um, Vincent Price. Wait, I don't know who that is. It was like, oh, he's like the ho- like a horror movie um, guy, but it was just like this very lovely voice, like. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, so that that was the one that put you to sleep. It was great. I was just like, you can talk all night. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. This is great. This is cool. So, wait, so um, what, what part of Brooklyn did you live in then? I lived in Dimas Park. That was the last place that I lived for about six six years. I just left that place in November. Right. November. Yeah. You, you, had, you had to like sort of escape to Australia. Well, yeah. I mean, I actually um, escaped upstate for most of last year, like pretty much hmm. just just like a couple of days, like just, just as everything was shutting down for the first time. Yeah. Um, You're just like, of mine, I know I got to run out of here. <laughs> well, I, I, I was just like, Oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stay in my, my room and write music. Cause it's only like, been two just, weeks anyways. Right. Sort of, yeah. And it just had really, I was like, okay, this is, this is fine. I can do this. This is, I don't have to be on the subway. This is great. Yeah. Um, and then a, a, a dear friend of mine has a, a cabin upstate New York and, and just said, you should come up here. And I'm like, Oh, I just got this new synth. Like I want to, I want to, you know, write some music. And I, and I, said, oh, I, don't, awesome. I don't really feel comfortable getting on a, on a, on a bus. Um, so it was just the nicest thing. She drove for, for three and a half hours to pick me up. So, yeah. And so I just had like two t-shirts and a couple of things. I just thought, I'm just going to stay here for a couple of weeks until little did you know, I was there for seven months. Oh, jeez. It was crazy. (laughs) Um, I basically moved into a a retirement community. And and I just, I had, you know, I mean, I I hate to say it, but it was, it was quite lovely. Um, (laughs) I, I went to knitting club. That's great. I played pickleball. Like someone would Wait, I haven't heard of that. There. Pickleball. Is that similar oh, to bocce ball? Oh, it's, it's huge in Florida. I might still retiring. <laughs> it would be. <laughs> it's, it's, it's this game where you play it on half a tennis court, you know, and you're playing it with these bats that are almost like ping pong Oh, okay. Um, it, uh, yeah. That sounds like, um, can, have you played that? you know that I'm talking about? There's like, there's kind of like a half, it's usually in a, in a gym, yeah, like a gymnasium, right? Pardon? It's called pickleball? I think. I thought there was another name for it too, like, there's badminton. No, it's not bad. But then there's pickleballs like the there's in so many badminton. It's and not dodgeball. <laughs> it's the opposite of dodgeball. But there's no running in pickleball, and I'm like, this, oh, yeah, this could be my game. This could be. How, how, how do you create? How do you make a, a a racket hitting game without involving the running? Like, it's... oh, you just let it. You just let it go. <laughs> you just you don't, don't worry know. about it. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not getting that. No one is getting that. That's exactly my kind of tennis. I'm like, this is this is the sport for me. Yeah. I found it finally after all these years. So that's great. Yeah. So you you improved your knitting game too? I did. I knitted a sweater. Um yeah, made some friends. It was wow. it was actually and I also taught like I just ordered more gear. Like every day there was like a new um present i like to call them yeah <laughs> but yeah i just organized a whole whole new setup so i did a bunch of remote recording and and i just taught 
Um, you That's know, I'm great. still teaching just online? Currently my students. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. So I, I just taught everybody. Every, every everybody was online. Wow. And so um, See, yeah. I, so I taught I taught every day, and I, I I'm have, still teaching every day. So that's I, that's really taught. great that your students were. I mean. <laughs> They had a lot to give up. A, a lot of my students, <laughs> I mean, I, I, that was my full-time gig before, before this happened. Now it's like basically a part-time gig because so many of my students were, were I mean, a lot of them were, were pretty young. I teach a lot of really young mm-hmm. kids and mm-hmm. the, the internet stuff does not, did not land for them. Yeah. 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 It's hard to do. I mean, it, I, I, you know, some of them, you know, I have, you know, I teach from, my youngest is about 10 and my oldest was okay. in a seven in about 70. So, oh wow uh, but i teach piano as well so there okay. were some that i i couldn't keep teaching just be just because you know the the technology was an issue um but i was surprised at how many people kept going and even through the summer usually a lot of people you know take a break for the summer but yeah all, but i mean what else was there to do this year through. Right. Yeah. So everyone was just like, yeah, this is my sort of social, my yeah. social hang. Um, yeah, but it, it worked surprisingly well. I mean, I, I worked in the distance learning department at Manhattan School of Music for years. Okay. So, I so you've figured out some techniques to like communicate. Because I mean, a, a lot of, especially I find technique is so hard to like, you have to kind of notice things a little bit more indirectly. Mm-hmm. You know, like, because I mean, unless you can, again depending on how good they're they are at using technology and how good their equipment is it's like it's so hard to like there's so many like tiny little details there to to try to correct right Mm -hmm. absolutely and i mean the way that i like to teach is very much it's like a a, like a problem solving sort of um approach where i'm i'm constantly monitoring for things that i think that could just be be tweaked Hmm. so like so you teach each person differently Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I learned that from my teacher, Laurie Frank, who was this incredible pedagogue. Um, and so, you know, I mean, like a, a lot of the exercises are the, are the same, right. but the way, the way that I approach them or maybe, you know, put them in a, put these exercises in an order, you know, will, will be different for each person for sure. Right. You know, but, but it's also like a, it, it's like, um, we say that playing a brass instrument is like 90% psychological. So it's also working out <laughs> psychologically what's going on, you know. And so, also, you know, That's so... it gets to a point, because I've been doing this so, for so long, is like it gets to the point that you almost feel like a mind reader. Like, hmm. okay, in this, in, this, in this measure here, you started panicking about this bit here. Right, just right. Like, how, how are you in there? <laughs> like, well, this ain't my first radio, you know, and I have been a trumpet player for a long time, so I can clearly relate right. to what's going on. But, so. Yeah. I, so, I mean, I've only, only just at the beginning of COVID was when I started to think, well, I just, I mean, just like everybody else, I had a little bit of extra time. So what am I going to do with it? And I mean, it sounds like you, you were producing some music and I'm really, I, I want to ask you about that in a minute, but I, I mean, I, a friend left, left his trumpet at my house and the first thing I was like, okay, I love the project that you and Luke did together. I've, that's been like putting me to sleep for literally years. Not, not, awesome. not in a bad way. <laughs> I'm not the slightest bit offended. It's a, it's a compliment. And I, yeah. and I, it's and such I a, so it's such you. a beautiful, gentle, like I had never heard. Okay. I'm just, I'm going to get stuck talking about this album if we, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <go> <laughs> but I mean, I, I had never heard, I mean, other than, 
a couple of other of, of the things that Luke has, has done, it was just like, well, I, I guess it was just I'd never heard trumpet played like that before. Well, trumpet's usually quite a bombastic right. sort, of, it's like it, sort of instrument. The so. first thing people tend to think when, when you say that you like trumpet or that you're trying to play trumpet is this like obnoxious braying. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And they can, there's a lot of that for a, usually a long time until you can control that natural sort of instinct of the instrument. I found though, just because, I mean, you said it's like a, such a psychological thing. It was like the, the picture that I had in my head of what trumpet is supposed to sound like was just the way you played it on that album. So oh, b- before absolutely. I had, you know, before I even figured out how to really give it and get like some loud, you know, the more like, I don't know, energetic kind of trumpet playing, I just, the only thing I could do was just this, these really kind of quiet, mostly just lower lower register stuff. And like mm-hmm. the first songs I tried to learn how to play were just were some of those tunes. And oh, that's so nice. They're so, I mean, again, it, it, you, you introduced me to this instrument that, that like it is just like you said, it's so much more, I don't know, I, I'd never played an instrument that's controlled with your breath before mm-hmm. other than singing. And I mean, there is a lot of overlap there, but yeah, like... Mm-hmm just beginning to see how much expression can happen when it, I mean, it's like, it is, you don't even, even really know what you're doing. At least I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> but it like, it just comes out because it, you build this sort of relationship with it. Yeah, you absolutely do. It's like, um, Oh, boy, how would you say? It's, it's almost like a language converter or something like a baby fish or something, you know, like it's, yeah. it's sort of like you have these thoughts and you need to express them without words and you have right. this sort of metal. Yeah. I was, I was you actually... have to wrangle <laughs> in order to get, your, get the <laughs> <Sorry>. vibe across. <laughs> well, it's, I, it's, a, it's something that I think is like probably built into like, well, I was reading a book recently. He was talking about some theory of like the history of, of human language. And he, his, his theory was something like that, that before we'd even figured out, like before humans had developed a verbal language, there was like a nonverbal, almost singing type language. Oh, cool. And I mean, this is very, very hypothetical, but it's like, it, it's yeah, a bit hard to prove. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, there, there is, um, uh, he actually had an interesting proof because there's like a particular oh, little canal in the skull that has to do with a, the nerve that ha- that um that connects to the tongue for like sh- or, or I can't remember the exact details, but it, there there is some interesting proof for this, um, and it just it makes you think it's like wow, there's like a more primal level of communication that happens before verbal communication, and obviously I mean that's true because like children and their pa- parents can communicate long before they figure out how to speak words. Totally, totally. Right. Yeah. And it's like just, and music is this incredible gateway into, you know, it's like, you know, if, if a baby is crying, <laughs> you know, yeah. usually people play music or sting and right. then the baby is it's like, what? You know, it's like squirrel. <laughs> like, yeah. what, what, what is that? Yeah, and that's suddenly, so interesting too. You know, it's, yeah, what it's, is, it's, you don't have to learn how to understand music. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, assuming that theory has some weight to it, mm-hmm. it's like it, it, music is basically speaking the language that we, that we know before we learn how to speak English or, or whatever mm-hmm. language you speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'll, you know, the kids will, you know, you, you see when they're just, 
you know, I have a niece and nephew. And so just, you know, watch, I mean, you know, when they were, <laughs> obviously when they were young, just, just watching, I mean, they're still young, they're like seven and 11, and <laughs> but in my mind, they're like practically in college, <laughs> you know, um, but, you know, but you just see them like when they're just sort of like playing and, and working things out, they're just like sort of singing and, and, and. and right. It's know. like so st- instinctual. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Which, I mean, I think it's one of these, I think it's one of the the beautiful parts of being human is, is, you know, our relationship to music. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> well, I, I wanted to ask you about, you said you, you were, I, you got this new synth when you went to upstate mm-hmm. New York. I haven't heard any any synth on any of the albums that no. I've heard. I mean, are you producing stuff that is outside of the name Nadia Nordhaus? Uh, kind of. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm working on, I'm working on this project that, that is, is going to be out next year. And it's a bit of a departure. I mean, I don't think this music is going to be your sort of like nighttime um, yeah. relaxation record <laughs> anything. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm still not exactly sure what it is either. I feel like I've changed tack with it, uh, hmm. you know, a number of times already. Um, you know, but I like, I, I like all types of music. I don't, yeah. I don't feel like I'm actually just a, a jazz musician yeah you know i mean i was brought i mean i was brought up playing classical music and right, okay. you know and in my teenage years like i was all about rock and metal like that's all i listened to i never listened to any jazz hmm. i didn't i didn't really get into it that until i was like 19 i think it was the first time i heard a jazz record you know? right, okay. so so i was definitely you know sort of late late to the jazz party um so would you describe yeah. so so what you're doing now is it's not even remotely within the vicinity of the jazz umbrella? I mean not well it's it's hard because it's I'm tough like, because what, what even is jazz? I know <laughs> and it's like well like there's those classic definitions that have been floating about like it must swing it must have improvisation. Sure. And so I mean if if those are you know if those are re- the requirements then none of my records are jazz yeah. records. <laughs> I mean that's you know? one thing I've so, noticed. Yeah, you, you don't tend to 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 just play the uh play the crowd pleasers. Yeah, you, I mean I'm not gonna do an arrangement of Stella by Starlight, you right. know. <laughs> like, you know, or all the things you are or Cherokee or something. Like, you know, that, that's in my mind that has been done. <laughs> and, yeah. And you know, and all power to people that want to want to keep exploring that and i feel like that music is you know i mean that music is really fun to play and if you to me it's a launching point for for other other things um but you need to sort of go through through that and some people just love it and they stay in that world and that's beautiful yeah that's great um you know for me um it was it was part of like my my learning curve i guess yeah um, in, into learning how to how to navigate through through the the jazz minefield, right. you know, of, of um, you know different chord progressions and learning how to how to you know write music in the style and how to improvise and how to you know construct you know yeah. your own compositions. So it's difficult to like trying to teach people how to improvise because that's something, like when I sit down when I. Ever since I started learning any instrument, it was just like, I, 
that that it just either either comes naturally to you or or it seems like it doesn't. It, it's it's a very interesting thing to try to like teach people how to improvise because like I have to like really try hard to like play an actual song. Usually, if I pick up an instrument, it's just like my first intuition is to just play whatever, see what happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think you know some people just have a natural ear. Yeah. And so that just makes it easier. Like you know, to me, it's like you know, if 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 we're gonna say this is a race, right? This is a race to like become like the the you know the the best improviser. There's a pe- people that <laughs> what an awful race, <laughs> um, you know. But those people that have like a natural ear, you know, perhaps right. they started you know younger or they're exposed to a lot of music when they're growing up. Usually, that's pro- like ninety nine percent of it. Hmm. Um, so do you think the exposure to music, like just hearing music, is that part of what like mm-hmm. creates, like, I mean, do you notice any, any patterns between the people that like seem to just have it or don't? Yeah, I think, I think, um, I mean, it's also interest as well. Like I think, yeah. I think there's, there's people, you know, whose parents are musicians and, um, you know, they're brought up you know with with music on constantly but if the interest isn't there then that's not gonna you know it that, that that's not gonna really work but if the interest is there and they're actually interested in it then that sort of just just the act of listening is, is right. practice um so um you know by the time they get to the you know ages of i don't know what seven or 12 or whenever it is that they just you know start to improvise um, you know, more so like on a band instrument, I'm thinking, yeah. um, you know, they, then there's that natural advantage because they've heard yeah. the music before for, for many years. Though, um, to, like you were talking yeah. earlier, so, so many people just like, so many kids just, just sing, right? Yeah, 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 and absolutely. And then people can, when, when people practice, and it's just, to, to me, it's play, you know, like the right. kids are just yeah. play, playing around. So, so, you know, when they're, when they're, um, transferring the ideas that they're hearing or they're um you know or they're they're singing onto an instrument you know it, that's that's i mean you know we would just call that transcription you know but for kids it's play i mean it, it's really exactly the same thing right um you know but what happens sort of just going back to that awful race is that there's also this theoretical theoretical knowledge and some people really connect with the theory aspect mm. of it so until they get the theoretical knowledge, um, you know, then it's hard for them to sort of start, but they may sort of catch up. And to yeah. me, it's like a balance of of um, of the ear and theory. If you can sort of have both of them happening, yeah. then to me, that's like the ultimate combination, you know, because generally speaking, the ear will, you know... Uh, you know, generally, obviously, you know, the ear will only take you so far. But if you're playing like super complex stuff, you know, knowing the theory behind it or knowing, you know, working out how to navigate through it or, you know, just understanding the form and chord tones and all that kind of stuff. Because I think that trains your ear too. Like once you've you've learned to play, you know, some strange, obscure scale that you wouldn't have have learned otherwise, Mm -hmm. then when you hear it, it's like you've drilled it enough into your brain that now you have this kind of little this little grain in your in your brain where something matches up with it it just fits it like oh that's this scale that's the meta mixolydian scale or something (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely absolutely you know and to and to me a lot of the jazz um training in schools is if you think about 
um, you know, it, it's almost like overtraining. Like it's so it can be so sort of complex to the music that you know maybe the majority of people will actually end up you know yeah. either playing or writing. Like whether or not you know they go into you know writing music for jingles or, or playing in rock bands or pop bands and stuff. It's like yeah, you're not going to need like the 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 mega mixolydian scale yeah, yeah. in, your, in, oh, in your rock band because you, know, you but, yeah you, you wrote some jingles for a little while right um i i played on a lot of jingles okay um so maybe so i misunderstood I would, I would that improvise then. yeah but there was there was a time maybe 10 years ago or so something like that where i would say a third of my income was from from jingles okay so i ha- yeah um but that was playing on um tunes that my friends had had written and so i would go in there as a session player so either playing what they were writing or they'll be like you know improvise you know with this sort of vibe you know okay so so there was still some room for improvisation because i mean yeah jingle music or just like jingle music kind of fits within that general category of just like popular music or you're like you're really trying to sell it so you're Mm -hmm. it's not I, I for for a couple of years that was like that, that was kind of what was getting me actually through college. I was just writing a bunch of jingle music. That's awesome. And it, I mean, it was it was great to actually have work, but like mm-hmm. it, it, there was very few opportunities to be as, as as creative as I wanted to. And I, I imagine you probably, I mean, considering how much you like to, it seems like you like to kind of push the boundaries and just kind of explore the edges of of what's possible in music. Yeah, I mean, I, the the people that I know that write jingles are incredible musicians, and the the fact that they can just sort of like come up with with anything that's asked of them, you know, and more, yeah. you know, it's like usually they're given like these, you know, like we want it more purple or whatever, and they actually <laughs> be like, actually, you want this, you know, um, so they they you know they they have to do some mind reading as as well, but um. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of constraints because you are you are writing something that someone else wants you to write, and and so a lot of them just have creative projects on the side. Um, yeah, that can also be like yeah, like super successful. It's not like you know, <laughs> like it's just like a little pet project or whatever. Like yeah. you know, just like you know. So, um, it yeah. that, that seems to be like one of the fundamental features of like m- maybe this has been a consistent thing throughout history for artists, but like. It seems like right now, especially anybody who I know who's trying to be a musician, there's like, they have their, they figured out some way to monetize music that's like more or less within what they want to be doing. And then they have like a side project that's probably costing them more money than it's making them. But it's like, that's what they consider. Okay. I'm talking about a random musician, but really I'm talking about myself. (laughs) Like my main project doesn't make me any money, but I still think of it as my (laughs) project. Sure. Well, that's great. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't see a problem with that at all. You know, it's just like, yeah, I mean, you know, for me, it's like, it's always, it's always a combination of writing and playing and teaching. So depending on, you know, sort of world circumstances, you know, it, it will be just be a wave of one more than the other for a particular year, you know, and, you know, some, I mean, I, I have been teaching more and more, you know, over the last, I would say seven, eight years, but I mean, I've been teaching since I was a kid. So it's all, that's always something hmm. that I, I have done. And it's something you, you actually enjoy. I do. I yeah. do. Like to me, it's always, um, 
Yeah, I, I feel like in, in most lessons, it's usually, you know, just if the lessons are about an hour, usually around the 50 minute mark, there's some sort of like little mini breakthrough or sometimes that's huge. Hmm. But, but to me, like I'm always like looking for this, this right. little, in this sort of key to unlock something. Yeah, you, you, know? you like you, you see that this, it lays it itself out as a, as a puzzle and it's like, okay, yes. if I play my yeah. cards right, I can actually accomplish something here. Totally, totally. So, um yeah, that's the way that I like to approach lessons, you know. I mean, I think for, for years, you know, especially when I was like a teenager or something, you know, it's just be like, okay, you know, okay, play this scale, play that, you know, very, very dry, hmm. um, you know, and that's that's not particularly interesting for the student or the teacher. But now if you're, yeah, I like that sort of, yeah, that puzzle. It's, I'm a puzzle person, so <laughs> it, it, it fits. This is I mean, I feel like that's the skill elaborate. set that like is almost, just necessary it should be part of sort of the description of the occupation of a teacher but like mm -hmm. for some reason yeah like I, I don't think anybody really likes the the, the hyper technical model of learning i maybe i'm you know i'm just reading too much of my own preference into things mm -hmm. but like mm -hmm. i know like <laughs> you you would think that that maybe if like if we could understand i'm trying to figure out how to say this but like school shouldn't be something that you you dread going to, mm -hmm. but like that seems to be such a common, like totally. So yeah. many kids don't. I mean, especially right now. But I mean, even just like going and being in a classroom, it's like teaching a group of people is always. I mean, there's there's probably some upsides to it, but like having that one on one connection with a teacher is so important. I think. Mm -hmm. I I agree, and especially if the teacher can really teach like the individual student and yeah. I think that's um you know and often teaching music I find is is it's never really just about music right know? if like if everyone thinks of their music lessons it's always like life lessons right as, as well more so than you have to be really you know, creative though things. to see those connections though mm -hmm. yeah I mean I, it, it to me it's like whenever no, like whenever people, I mean, usually people have good mem. Well, now no, no, that's too general because I'm just like most people have, have, have good memories of it. But I'm like that doesn't. No, that's not. That's no. Some some people, you know, have have awful memories of their music lessons where they're made to play things yeah. that they don't they don't want to. I mean, I've certainly experienced that too. So. Did you like learning piano? Um, I I did when I was really really young i was like one of these sort of um sort of freaky kids that that started playing super young and by year i would play like tv themes <laughs> and um, did your teacher yeah. like did she did he or she work off of that uh not well i had i had um uh, a really incredible teacher she was she was unbelievable um and so i i learned with her from that from for Oh, just yeah, from the age of three, um, wow. up yeah, up until the age of seven, and unfortunately she passed away in a car accident. Oh. So I only had her for four years, but she was just she was like a second mom, you know. Um, and so you know, I I would, you know, we would have the lesson, and then I'd you know go play hide and seek for like three hours, you know, and then go make <laughs> peanut butter cookies. Like it was just sort of like I was just part of part of the furniture you know hmm. making making myself at home but she was she was really incredible and really encouraging and apparently i mean i don't remember this at all because i was so young but i would just practice all day like hmm. 
you know. Do you think that um, had to do with just with your connection with her or did you just I like? Think, I think, I think, it was, I think it was both. I think she fostered my love of it. Hmm. Um, and she made lessons really fun. Like I still remember she would draw pictures on my, on my, my book or explain, you know, um, you know, what a flat was by drawing a picture of a flat tire, you know, or like a shaft or like someone sitting on a chair and then jumping up, you know. So That's exactly like, that. Yeah. I've yeah. actually drawn those pictures too. Awesome. <laughs> so, so important. It's so cool, you know. I can't draw, but I do like, like I'll, I'll, I'll like draw a box around something like on my, I usually write right. like a, a page of lesson notes, you know, for each student. You know, but I'll like I'm making this so pretty. You know, I'll just draw a box and a border. Like I can't, I can't actually like draw a chair. Yeah, <laughs> like it won't look like a. Cha- I can draw a sharp, but I can't. I can't. Draw a chair. <laughs> so I'll just be like, "Are you? Are you okay?" <laughs> so, so you know, I have I have my limits, but yeah, she was just a really really amazing teacher, and so it was what made it so difficult was I had a string of piano teachers after that that. Hmm. didn't sort of me- couldn't possibly measure up to her right um yeah so then it was sort of like my my interest sort of dwindled um <laughs> yeah so how, uh, you know yeah how i mean have you had people though who i mean i'm, I'm sure you have. have is there anybody who you could you could think of though that like you in your own teaching you know I mean, it's really hard to make a connection with somebody and like to like t- teaching really requires that. Uh, have you had to like, I mean, you said you really like to view it as a puzzle anyways. Mm-hmm. How, how can you get people, especially broken into that, that zone of like being able to like feel music when, when, I mean, I, I have, I talked to so many people or I, I've even met musicians in my life who are like really talented when it comes to like playing sheet music, but they, they can't kind of break past that limit of like just reading and translating it's like a very mathematical relationship with music have you figured out how to like get people to break through that wall so getting people to be able to express like i I guess express but it's expression improvisation but i mean those are kind of two levels of the same thing i think i mean I've, I've, I mean, I've, I've taught so 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 many people, and and everyone is so different. So there will be some students that really take to sort of the the theory side of things, and there's people that absolutely can't stand that. So, um, you know, so we do we do other things. Like my job is is to kind of meet them where they're at and and work from yeah, there. Yeah, and 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 I'm really like conscious of not making them hate music right i think i would be doing them a great disservice so if they hate scales you know um when we're not i'm not going to assign scales Hmm. but i will sneakily you know it's like hiding the vegetables like in the put like blending it up and putting it in a pan passive aggressive teaching very sneaky but you know but then we'll we'll play we'll play music that actually incorporates you know scales so right um you know i mean i want i want um you know i just i basically i want everyone to enjoy themselves and i was really lucky that i i studied with laurie frank for a couple of years when i first moved to new york and she was another just you know she was like my original piano teacher just Mm. like just a fantastic teacher 
And you always felt better when you left the lesson than when you walked hmm. in. This was like a hundred percent across the board. Everybody that talks about lessons with her, that's basically wow. what they say. She was just remarkable. Um, and so I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to do that too, you know, and that's, that's sort of, yeah, that's hard to do. Cause I'm also like, I really want them to like work on these things. Cause if they just work on this one thing, then it's going to become easier for them to play, but yeah. they don't really want to do it, you know? So, I mean, uh... <laughs> to kind of reverse engineer, I mean, you're talking about applying just life principles to music. That is interesting that you talk, you, I mean, I, I, I think I've kind of accidentally landed on on similar things sometimes with my students but the the uh the idea of like figuring out what they've latched onto and like it's like almost like that's their language mm -hmm. and like taking the thing they didn't like and re representing it in that in that different language just just speaking it differently to them mm -hmm. yeah like if there's if there's say like a tune or or an exercise or something that they absolutely hate sometimes i'll try and set the challenge of like um and i'll say to them i said my goal here is to make you absolutely love this by the end of the lesson you know and i mean i can't say i'm successful even 50 percent of the time but you know i do <laughs> i do give it a go you know um because there's often just a block you know there's there's something blocking yeah. them there's something in the way so like working out what that is um, and, and I, again, this sort of goes into sort of like the life thing. Like, I feel like, you know, half the time I'm, I'm not teaching music. I'm teaching, you know, I'm teaching hmm. things that are applicable to life. I'm, I'm teaching sort of, a, you know, an application, of, right. you know, like your, your content, how to focus on something, you know, how to problem solve yourself, how to work this out, how to be dedicated, you know, right. um, how to well, be self-motivated. Fundamentally, know, so. whenever you run into a block, you the only thing you can do is sort of throw out that game and reframe, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, you, yeah. I, I think I, I listened to, to both of the other uh, the interviews that, that, that I could find, that I could track down on the internet just to try to get mm -hmm. to know a little bit more of your story. And mm -hmm. I think you said that you, um, you studied, or sorry, you studied improv, right? Mm-hmm. That is really cool. But again, I, kind of interesting that it's i mean I, my education is a totally different i mean i studied at like a what? bible school oh, cool. yeah <laughs> but like I, so i i can't even in my head conceptualize how how do you teach improv right well i i was lucky that i went to um I went to the Victorian College of the Arts in Melbourne and I think they were well known this is 20 years ago now um, they're well known for, for having quite like a, a free um, and um, sort of individual approach. It was also like we're not teaching American jazz, we're teaching Australian improvisation. This hmm. is like very much. Um, is that like something more connected to Australian culture? Like just more about well, improvisation? I, I, think, I think it was like we're not going to limit it just from improvisation from one country so oh, okay. i studied okay. like south like southeast indian drumming i did afro-cuban wow. music like so um and there was one class that we did where we did free improvisation for um you know it was an hour and a half class and we'd each get up and do a, a free improv for 10 minutes and then we'd get critiqued on it were you given so, a prompt or was it just like no. stand up and <laughs> 
you know which wow. i think was so it was so great like you know i mean you're not i don't i haven't heard of that sort of approach being done anywhere else you know and especially when i went to the states it was the absolute opposite of that it was like these are you know we are studying you know the 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 great um, american songbook we're studying jazz standards we're studying bebop um and we're studying all these chord scale relationships um so you can solo over these particular um chord structures over these particular forms that we use you know um which is cool that's yeah you know um it, it's a particular thing. There's also more, <laughs> you know, and again, to me, that sort of, for, for me personally, it was, it's like, you know, like a s- slight overtraining, which is a, a really sort of brilliant method, really. So then when you just got to play something a little more, more simply, then it's, it feels easier, you know, so the same sort of thing, like, you know, if you're trying to, to play something in a certain range, if you play higher or lower, for a while then when you go back to that sort of like mid you know the mid range it's going to feel easier to play so it's that sort of like overtraining part that um that is actually a really great um teaching technique so i'm not sort of like trying to trying to you know be be down on on the us for way <laughs> of, 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 of teaching their music not at all um that, but just that in australia things we don't have a, such a connection to the history of the music you know like right oh yeah um, interesting because you know so it's a, it's a jazz free, kind of developed out of uh, is it the, the history is like connected to like louisiana yeah. and or like yeah in, yeah in new orleans you know so right. it you know um you know, and then it spread, you know, taking the railroads to Kansas City and Chicago and, you know, all these hubs, New York, of course. So, um, you know, it's a pretty fascinating story about how it all right. how it all began. But it's like that there's more of an attachment than because there's this historic, you have this like almost nationalism where it's like, we have to do it this way because we have to honor the ancestors. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, which I think is totally cool and valid. And, yeah. and, and that's all awesome. Um, just in Australia, we're just like, well... Well, you know, the, you have that freedom that we, to just yeah mess with it, right? Like, okay, well, we're going to do this, but then we're going to also blend like music from Ethiopia, and we're also going to blend, right. you know, like so it's um yeah, there's there's to me, you know, it's a, it's the same sort of approach as um you know like with our with our food, you know, there's a whole lot of fusion, you know, we're close to Asia, so there's a lot of Asian fusions and stuff. There's a lot of risk taking and. You know, it's like I went to a Mexican restaurant and, you know, and then and it was like, you know, it had infused like um, sort of like these Australian, you know, indigenous mm-hmm. herbs and spices, you know, you know, mixed right. in with like some, some, you know, like battered fish, you mm. know, from like England, you know, so it was just sort of in this, in this, you know, taco. I'm just like, right. what? what's going on but again it's that freedom like yeah we're just going to do what we want and then yeah. part of my brain was like no it should be done this way this is not an authentic <laughs> Mexican taco <laughs> you know but it's just like <laughs> you don't you is don't, that something you know. that just like kind of sticks in your mind as an Australian like because yeah. there's like a connection to to Europe right but it's like mm-hmm. It, like do you, when you think about your history, do you think of like the history of Australia, or do you think about the history of of Europe? Oh, I mean, like what do you identify it's, with? Like, it's, it's 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 difficult because you know, being you know, I I've lived away from Australia for seventeen years, right? And right, so okay, when true. I'm I'm back here, I 
I, I quite I feel like a bit of a tourist, <laughs> you know. And it's and it's weird. It's like I remember I was, you know, I got I got back here, you know, in last December. Um, you know, and in January, I remember they were like, "Oh yeah, we're closing early because of the the public holiday." And I was like, "Oh, oh, what holiday is it?" And they just right. sort of looked at me because, like, clearly I have a an Australian accent. <laughs> and they're and they're like, "It's Australia Day," you know. It's like if you ask right. America, "Oh, oh, it's Fourth of July," like, "Oh, oh, yeah, of course," you know. So it's just like, <laughs> yeah. "Wow," Which, you know, the things we forget. Yeah, I mean, I I, I didn't actually. This is the first year, or maybe, maybe last year was, was one of the first years I actually remembered when it was Canada Day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's 4th of yeah. July. I, I mean, just yeah. thinking about the relationship to Canada and the U.S., there's a kind of a weird, like, I, I well, I mean, I also kind of had a weird relationship where I was in the States a lot growing up. And so, like, trying to think about the story of, like, where I live, I, I tend to kind of get just bait babied into the into the states and think about their history it's like no that's not that's not me i mean i have my own country <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah it's it's yeah it's it's a funny thing you know and it's like yeah it's now you know because i lived in in the states for so long it's like when we even talk about music it's like i'm all like half notes quarter notes 16th notes oh, where, where they have different terminology here, it's like minimum crotchet quaver, you know. <laughs> it's like I'm just like oh, and so there'll be just be there'll there'll be a pause before I say anything. So I'll be like teaching a class. I'm like oh yeah, just when you get to the um uh, yeah the the two beat note, you know? like, it's like nothing. There'll be nothing, you know. Can and I'm you like, I, Run us through really quick the translation because this might be useful to remember. Oh, this is nuts. Okay, (laughs) check this out. So, so a whole note is called a semi breve. Okay, a breve breve is actually an eight beat note, which no one ever uses except for Luke and I. (laughs) Um, but yeah, but but um, you have a different actual symbol for for an eight beat note. There, there is, there is not. (laughs) It's just a word for this imagine this idea. Yeah, it's like just imagine it in your head, but we're just right. going to play half of that, and that's going to be the note. So, <laughs> so a semi breve is a whole note. Um, okay. And then a minimum is a half note. Okay, that seems counterintuitive. I would think a, yes. a minimum would be like the the smallest or something. <laughs> you you would think oh wait, but it gets it gets worse. <laughs> so so a, a quarter note is a crotchet. Okay. <laughs> It's like precariously close, isn't it? Um, and then, and then there's an eighth note, which is a quaver. Okay, that's kind and of a cool then, word. That's, that is cool. And then it gets weirder. Then, then a sixteenth note is a semiquaver. Right. And the thirty-second note is a demi-semiquaver. <laughs> and then a sixty-fourth note is a hemi-demi-semiquaver. <laughs> I- <laughs> I think this is, yeah, we just, it's just hard. You can't take that seriously. <laughs> that's not, that's not racist to laugh at, is it? <laughs> no, I mean, it's like, it's just, it's just a little bit weird. But I mean, having said that, it's like a quarter note. Well, that's, that's, that's really only makes sense in a four, four, you know? Right. But, yeah. Which so, I mean, so, it, that, you that you know, have this sort of four, four time flawed. bias. Exactly. Both, right. both systems are, f- are flawed in their own individual way. I don't know. I, I, I would love to be incorporating hemi, demi, semi, quaver into my mm-hmm. vocabulary. That's Yeah, you can just throw that in. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like, so you and Luke, you, do you play any hemi, demi, semi, quavers? 
and Spe- we're like, no, <laughs> uh, we're <changed. laughs> not, not usually, I'd imagine, anyways. But, so, but you're playing some shows with him, or have you been playing some shows mm-hmm. with him recently? Yeah, we did one. We did one in back in March, um, and and what was cool is we were going to play the the salon at the the Melbourne Recital Hall, which is this gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous space. Wow. And and so it's this lovely, you know, there's this lovely room. I played with. I just played a couple of tunes with with Luke, maybe oh gosh, years and years ago. And so I was really looking forward. Like it's this, you know absolutely like you know sort of state of the art but it, still gorgeous space um but and it fit, you know with the restrictions and all it fit about like 75 people or so and but like sort of am- amazingly we like sold out like within wow. a, a day or two so they actually said do you want the bigger hall which fits like 1500 people wow and we're like, yeah, why not? Like, you know, that's you great. Know, so we're like, I'm gonna have to do more Facebook posts. Like, we'll see, see <laughs> how many people that we we can get. Um, so, well, so how many came? Yes, I think I think there was over about 400. Wow, so, that's fantastic. That we got. I mean, the restrictions of the hall were 750, I think. Okay. Um, you know, so for for a jazz gig. Yeah. <laughs> Well, because that album that you guys were, I assume you were playing stuff from 10 sales. It, it kind yeah. of broke. I mean, it, it did really, I mean, what, what it seems like you like to do it. It, it broke jazz. It's like, it's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's always difficult when you make an album like that, trying to put it on iTunes and choose which, which category it's supposed to go. On. <laughs> right. I mean, I feel like it's been, been put in like the neoclassical. Right. Um, which genre, is interesting. Which it seems like, like kind of a new, well, ne- isn't that what neo means? Does, do you want, uh, can you look it up on your phone or something, Evan? Is, does neo just mean new or like current or do you know? I don't know. <laughs> to, 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 to me, it's a fancy word for new. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Dep- it's like a matrix. With, with your accent, it's a, it's it sounds a little bit more like just new too. Like yeah, matrix. It's like it's... it's right. Oh, true. Like, that's probably why. <laughs> that's probably why. 90s onwards. 90s <laughs> onwards. That's why they call it neo classic or... Yeah, it's just a reference. <laughs> but like that, that seems to, to be yeah. a, a genre, though. That's just like again, it's called neoclassical. But the, what's you know, neoclassical tends to be uh, at least most of the stuff I find uh, either on just kind of browsing or seeing playlists and stuff like that. It tends to be this really mellow, relaxing mm-hmm. kind of. It's it like that's one of the most identifiable features of it. It's just that it's like well, mm-hmm. what kind of music is? It? It's just it's calm music, or it's it's. But, you could also call it sad piano. Sad piano. <laughs> I've seen a lot of playlists called sad piano. <laughs> it's so good. I love it so much. Do you like playing um, that style on the piano too? Um, I do. I do. And I mean, I think I think that. I mean, I write at the piano. I don't write at the trumpet. Right. Well, that's interesting um, to me. So yeah, I usually write it, and then I I just gotta transpose it. Um, yeah. Yeah, or put it in a key that that's you know makes it. So know, does writing feel like a fundamentally different thing to you than than improvisation? Um, no, writing is just improvisation. Um, I'm just notating it. Um, and I'm also. It's, is it easier to notate from the piano for you, or? Yeah, I mean, to me, to me, um, yeah, well. I mean, I don't know whether it's just you know, it was my first instrument, but you know, but to me, I just I I 
you know, I, I love the sound of the piano and you can also play one more than one note at once. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> I get, I mean, I could come up with a, a melody on the trumpet, but I don't actually, I could just do that in my head. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't need the trumpet for that. Um, you know, and I think that's just just because of the the privilege of the you know training that I've, I've been able to have. Yeah, yeah, you okay. know, I've got like super supportive parents, and um, you know, and they sort of put me through. Like I had private lessons, right. you know, all all growing up, and was in band programs, and you know, did did all all the things. Um, so yeah, Sorry, so that... I don't I don't to to write. I think I, I kind of sidetracked you head. from when you were, sorry, I, I think there's a little bit of delay here too, but uh, just jumping back a second ago that you were, you were, I, I, I feel like this story had a climactic ending about playing the show at the Sydney Opera House or at, at, at one of the, Oh, um, <laughs> sorry, jump back a little bit, but I'm just like, I don't know what happened. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. my fault. I kind of ran oh, off no, on a rabbit trail I mean, there. I think, I think, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what I was going to say about it other than it was, it was awesome. Um, it was great to play with it because we hadn't actually played, right. um, you know, we hadn't played a gig in Australia, like of, of that music. Like we recorded it seven years ago and this was sort of like, this is our CD launch, <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what I was. I think saying. you guys were just talking about like when you were playing music again, like you're saying, with him, and then that was the most recent time that you've done it. So. Oh, I see. Okay. So, so can you try and open yeah. the window too? So it's getting kind of hot in here. I, don't, I would turn on the air conditioning, but it's kind of loud. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but, kind of do it the old-fashioned way. Um, I yeah. may, maybe this isn't something you can reveal. It's something that's being recorded, but do you, I mean, you're, you're back, you're in the vicinity of each other again. Is there mm-hmm. a chance that there's a, there's a, there's a sequel to, uh... uh, a lot of people have asked about that. Um, and I mean, I think that there's something that we would like to do at some point. Um, you know, I just, I think, um, you know, Luke's on a label and so, right. um, oh yeah. So he has to like have have it kind of approved before he can. I, I I think so, and to me, it's like I'm I, you know, I don't I want to rem- like keep control of of my music. I'm right. not interested okay. in 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 being. I've had I've had labels approach me. Yeah. And I'm just like, thank you, but no. And have you had any bad experiences then with with labels like dealing? I mean, I actually just had I had. Um, basically the only the only record that i had of my own that was released on another label um was a vinyl only release that came out a couple right. of years ago on Nouvelle. which i really wanted to hear but the shipping is like 200 dollars or something <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah um and i mean it's that's a, that's a really wonderful label and i really like what they do um so now i have the masters so i'm actually releasing that in september so oh coming out. great yeah, so that's exciting. That's com- that's coming out on my label. So you know, as as much as it's it's been very lovely to have people saying, "Do you want to release it on my label?" I'm like, no. No, right. thank you. Well, what 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 kind of turns you off to that? Okay. Like, um, t- to me, it's it's about I I would like to keep the the 
copyright and I want to keep whatever royalties come in, I would I would like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's that's basically sort of it. Like I I have, you know, it, it's it's like you know, the album with Luke has sort of created its own little machine. And so I'm like, if I just sort of attach, you know, whatever I have to that, then, then, you know, then I think that's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> um, you know, but also it's like, I like the thought of just having, just sort of like putting the music out there and just seeing what happens. So it's yeah. a very sort of non-business-like um, approach really um, but it's just like you know if 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 people want to hear it they can hear it you know right um, yeah I, so, I notice a lot of musicians because I mean trying to figure out how how to I mean yeah like the, the, originally it seems like labels it was just kind of an obvious like if you can get on a label do it because they have the power to get your music out there but then mm-hmm. with everybody having access to the internet at, at this point like there are other ways of getting your music to ev- yeah. a- anyone and everyone. And so it's like, Absolutely. what yeah, is a label for? Yeah. And I mean, ha- having said that, there are, there are certain, you know, there are definite benefits. Like if you're on a label that, you know, is, is well known and they, you know, uh, they can give you an ad- advance and, and they have, you know, they have a machine, a promotional machine, you know, yeah. um, th- that can really, yeah, that can be of, of great benefit. I know a lot of people just kind of milk it and then, and then they, they, <laughs> they sign something to, to like, to have their masters afterwards. And then they do that. They do the label thing just to kind of get it out of the way and, and get more, get whatever influence they can get from it and then kick the label to the curve. And now we're going to do our own thing. <laughs> right. You know, and a lot, of, a lot of people will like do the album. They'll, they'll record it. They'll, they'll, they'll cover all the costs themselves and then they'll, they'll sell it for a very small amount yeah. um, to, to someone else and th- they'll just get the profit from it. And so, you know, and that's just sort, sort of for the, the prestige of having your music out on a label, you know, and, and to me, you know, I understand why people are doing it, and I'm, again, I'm not being like that's the wrong thing to do. Like, obviously, that works for them. Yeah. Um, but for me, I'm not. I mean, having said that, like, if ECM, like, called me, <laughs> right, <laughs> and said we want to release a record, like, yes, of course, right. You know? <laughs> it's just um, about which it, label. <laughs> yeah, but that's probably about it. You right. Know? Um. You know. Because so, the cost benefit, yeah, at this point, is just like the only reason you would do it is just for that big access though though there's something again to be said for like as soon as you have that sort of that number of people paying attention to you you have sort of a responsibility to them or whether or not you want to or not it seems like their attention it demands that of you it's like okay i have to kind of do what these people want Mm -hmm. and like the smaller your audience the more freedom maybe yes yes and no i mean i feel like i feel like i i mean you know, I'm, I'm obviously not on, on a, yeah, if I was on a larger, if I was on a label, um, yeah, I would be more, yeah, I would feel like I would have to do things that people like. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, I just don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do exactly as I please, you know, it's like, like, 
You know, well, it gets down to you know, like, what is it that you actually value about music? Is it just like making money or having a certain number of people listen to it? Or is it like, I mean, I assume at this point in your life, you've had enough chances to think about this. Like, why are you still doing music? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I've tried, I've tried other things and it's just never worked out. <laughs> Honestly, like I've quit. I've quit many times. Um, and yet I just, it just seems to, I just seem to come back to it. So you know, it's, it's, that's, that's why I'm still doing music, but also because it's, to me, it's a really, it's a really fun way to make a living and to live a life. Yeah. Like I've been so, you know, and I know how fortunate I am. I, I, I really know it. Um, you know, the fact that I've been able to sustain myself during yeah. a pandemic, <laughs> you know, it's just like sort of proof enough, um, you know, or that I've had this other, um, this other place to to retreat to, you know, which which is this I call it the magical island. <laughs> oh, on Australia, of Australia, right. it's like you know, it's <laughs> like at the island. moment I'm, I'm yeah, it's a magical island. It's like I have this like running joke with my best friend, you know, what does I'm like? Oh, maybe I'll do that. She goes, Anything is possible on the magical island. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it's it's like it's a beautiful way of life here. It's yeah. really really quite spectacular um you know i'm taking the ferry you know to work to teach and and you know wow. sydney harper you know and so it's just like you're taking um, you're taking the like across water you're actually taking a boat to yes. work that's i take a boat that's work. great yeah <laughs> yeah and 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 work is like this gorgeous castle on a hill you know which wow. overlooks the harbor you know and that so it's just it's a little bit it's a little bit insane so i i'm well aware of like the, the craziness of of how how lovely it is and i i i appreciate yeah. <laughs> I, you know I, I do appreciate it very much because i i have spent many years of my life being so completely poor and you know living in a cockroach infested apartment and having you know to eat porridge every day and you know it's like i you know i've, yeah. I've lived that life I've lived that life for, for, you know, over a decade to be. And and, and during those times you were still like music was with how you were paying your bills. Yeah. Um, the bills that I just had to keep the overhead really low because I really wasn't doing very well, you know? So it was like, I've, I think I've, 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 um, I've been trained since, since, I mean, I left home at 17 and, and, and I moved to this little country town where they, there was no jobs. I just thought, oh, yeah, I'll just go, like, you know, work at the supermarket, which is what I did, like, you know, while while I was in Sydney. But um, there was no jobs at all. So I had to, like, go back to Sydney, work two jobs, work 60 hours a week, like, with no breaks, and then save up all that money and then live off that for nine months. That's so, nice. So I had to, like, budget, like, you know, like, I, you know, just, just every every cent. So... You know, and that I was 17, 18, 19 when that, that happened. So, you know, by the time I'm in my, my 20s and having very limited income, I'm like, I know how to do this. Like, I've done this before. Right. Um, so I, I learned to live off very little and I didn't have a credit card, you know. So zero is zero. So, <laughs> right. you know, and I've been down to my last five bucks. I was like, wow, wow. this is this is This, this thing is what this feels like. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> like... I, I bought a jar of mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good last like, five bucks. 
because I was like, I was making, I was making sushi, you know, just because rice is filling and, right. you know, it's like I would get some seaweed. If this is my last down. meal, so be it. I was like, wow. I was like, this is, this is it. Wow. It's like, oh, I didn't think it would be a charm. How did you, at that moment, what were you thinking? Were you like, this is the end? I was just like, this is not good. This is, this is not where I want to be, you know, and that's happened so many times I can think of. Right. Uh, but other having, in my life. having yeah. those moments, like how, how do I mean, you get I, out I, of it? well, I mean, yeah, but like, how do you, how do you stay like I, I had some friend well, I mean I guess I I look at almost all the creative people I know and I, I can see those moments that have happened and I look at my look at my own experience and just see like okay there's times where it's like everything in the world is telling you no to music mm-hmm. but for some reason I don't know like for me it just feels like meaningful it feels like something I'm mm-hmm. yeah like I'm supposed to do or like mm-hmm. oh, it's a calling yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think for me, it's there's a certain amount of sort of stubbornness. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know the fact that I moved to New York, which and and stayed on after I studied, right. and I wasn't hired for any, like no one would hire me. <laughs> you know, and and what was interesting was there's this other network of of women. You right. know, women musicians that do hire you. So I only played hmm. in all female bands for years. Really, it was very strange. <sighs> I was like, "This is interesting," but it's like, yeah, did that feel oh, weird? Like being sort of marketed it, as a woman who plays music? <laughs> yeah, it felt really uncomfortable and weird. Um, you know, but this was me. What, this was like the sometime in the nineties. No, this is two thousand and. This is after after I moved to New York. I moved okay. to New York in 2003. Okay. So up until 2008, I would say all those years were 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 primarily. I mean, there would be like the the you know one one big band gig with someone that I went to school with. You know, okay. As a guy, but uh, still is. Um, but, <laughs> um, but but all the rest was like all women club date bands, all women. Uh, Big bands, diva jazz orchestra, diva or, jazz, yeah, or, or, or and um, or women band leaders. Yeah, hmm. there was just 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 you know. And I mean, I, like, I, so I guess maybe some bizarre. people really. I mean, obviously, those groups came into existence somehow. Maybe some people really liked the idea of like combining just the spirit of being female with music and be like, hey, this is these are these are two marketable. <laughs> I mean, to me, well, for example, with the Diva Jazz Orchestra, that was actually set up just so women could be seen hmm. to, to be playing because it's a very common theme that no one would hire the women. Hmm. Um, you know, it's like we've, we've been there all along, you know, and dating right dating right back, like right back to the beginning. We've been yeah. all along to just to sort of like, you know, um, you know, just not written into the history books or you know mm. just sort of like omitted and um you know or um categorized as a novelty you know so um you know it's it it at no point has there never been women playing this music you right know? it's it's been there all along but, yeah. but um it was really just to be seen and once we're seen then people go oh 
Oh, that's actually oh, good. Yeah. Oh, they're good. And it's a surprise. Yeah. So it's basically like a launching pad to to basically like the 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 aim was not to stay in the band forever. The aim was like to to be seen and to be like snapped up by by you know a band with a yeah you know like a, a great yeah. reputation. You know? It feels so, like another iteration of this same sort of. Like in order to break in, when you're dealing with like the internet and you're dealing with like everybody and you're trying to market to everyone, the only way to sort of break into that market is to do, figure out some subgenre that's like, that, that somehow has some, some energy behind it. Like, oh, well people, I mean, maybe it's, maybe everybody's into neoclassical. I guess I, I guess I have to go do a, a mm-hmm. neoclassical album in order to be seen and then people can maybe start to like me for me. Mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm. I, I hate that. Yeah. I hate. Yeah, it really sucks. <laughs> It really, really sucks. Like it's really, it's really dumb. And and I think us as progressive people recognize how dumb and stupid it is. Um, but yeah, that's sort of like some really unnecessary hoops. I don't know how to but, get around it though. Like, yeah, I mean, even I just mean, talking about the genre thing, it's like, how mm. how do you get noticed on the level that you sort of need to in order to make money as a musician at this point without sort of like mm. selling yourself into a particular market? Yeah, oh, that's a good question. Um, it, it's a combination of um, honing your craft to the point that you feel like it's expressing what you're, you know, what you want it to. Right. Um, and just sort of trusting and, that that like people will see the realness of. Yeah, yeah, and also just um, and and a way to get the the music out there, and obviously, you know. Some people, you know, hit a big on MySpace or, you know, or get really good at get really good at Twitter or something. You yeah. know, like like it doesn't it doesn't really matter what what the medium is, but a way of getting the music out there. Yeah, it seems like you always have to sort of anchor your because it, it it seems almost like there's something about about genuine, honest art that like mm-hmm. that isn't that isn't easily sellable. It's something that you have to like, you have to sit people in the seat and say, listen to this because mm. there's something about, it. it's like, I don't know, like judging a book by its cover or something like that. It's, 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 it's not glamorous, at least from the outside. Mm. It's like, you have to break through that shell and experience that event of, 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 yeah, you have to experience the piece of art before you realize its value. It's not something that you, you recognize as value just from sort of the cover art. It's like, mm. Oh, interesting. I'm just just trying to wrap my wrap my brain around it. Um, I mean, when I'm when I'm writing music, I'm not I'm not thinking this is art, <laughs> you know. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, sure. And and people and people should should listen to this. I'm very happy for people not not to listen to it. It doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't that's not why I'm doing it. Like it's. it's but like, there's a difference between art and gimmick. Is I guess what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I, people people are very humans are clever, and they can they can smell inauthenticity from a mile off, you know. So so I think it's just you know it's just really important to to really be honest with yourself and work out what it is exactly that you want to do and what you want to say, um, and trying to just sort of stay in your own lane about that and and not be sort of distracted either by what other people are doing or um or doubting that what it what you're doing is is 
is good or worthy or or whatever and that's really hard that's the challenge yeah. so it sounds like terrible funny. business advice but i really appreciated it on a, <laughs> on a life advice level yeah it's like i mean to, to me, I mean, it, maybe know, anyways. It, it's like there's there's always there's always i don't know i mean i can only ever speak from my experience and um you know for for me like it was like you know it's like 10 years ago you know i yeah, I hadn't even put my first record out. I really delayed a long time. Yeah. Like it's not ready, it's not ready. Right, right. Um and you know, and I didn't I didn't have many gigs. You know, I had very few students, you know. Um so it it's for me it was a really valuable experience to put out that first record and hmm. that was 2012 and that to me was it was just like the most expensive business card like ever right like in my yeah, head yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm just like that's insane how much money i've spent spent on this did you feel um, any sense of like you had to kind of out outrun the coattails or of i don't know like stop being associated with the, this diva jazz thing no i mean you know to me to me i mean that band like they you know their name was on my visa you know like hmm. they okay very supportive. so it's not um, something that you're ashamed of no, not at all. Not at all. Um, you know, and I think, I think that band is really, I think it has made an incredible difference to a lot of women. Yeah. And, and I think with the audiences as well, like people are, are genuinely, I mean, this would happen yeah. like every gig, like there's people that are genuinely like blown away. Right. And absolutely. So, yeah. So surprised like to see like women playing this music, you know, right. whereas like, you know, to me, you know, to me, it's like, oh, imagine being blown away with someone with blue eyes playing jazz. <laughs> you know, like to me, it's like that. I was level. like, why would you it's assume like, that? What? Why? Why are we even doing this? You know. Um, <coughs> so, it's it, it serves it serves a really great great purpose. You know, I mean. It, it doesn't even need to have a purpose. It can just be yeah. like, here's a group of women playing music. I mean, that's what happens. That's right. like, it was the Duke Ellington orchestra. It wasn't like, oh, here's a bunch of men playing. <laughs> I mean, it was. Obviously. <laughs> that wasn't like, what we're going to do is we're going to assemble men so you can see how good men are at playing jazz. Like, that wasn't their motivation. Like, so mm -hmm. we don't we don't actually need a motivation to actually just put out good music um, in that way. Um, you know, so... Do you still feel, yeah. like, I mean... That hearing that story, it feels like such a. And maybe it's just, maybe I'm just blind to it because that's not my experience. Like I, mm -hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't have to go through that. But is that still something that you that you experience now? You still see that a lot in the in, in the jazz scene or even beyond the jazz scene. Oh, yes, yes. Which is disappointing, isn't it? It's just been disappointing to hear that that's actually yeah. still happening. Yeah, there is that um, that thing when you walk in a room that it's like you know uh, uh, yeah like can can she play like hmm. there's that whole first you need to prove that you that you belong here or mm -hmm. you know and then and then you know maybe i'll talk to you later about how great it is that you do this and i'm like it's so weird you know mm -hmm. like just i'm i'm just a human like sticking a piece of metal up to their face <laughs> or blowing some air like we don't we don't we, you know it's like 
Have you been able you know, to like? Have, have you ever just kind of straight up asked somebody like, "Is it because I'm a woman?" Or like, <laughs> oh, like have you got God. to the like why? I guess I'm just wondering how, if you have any theories as to why people have that assumption or, or why people get in that, that place. It hasn't been seen, you know, it's like, hmm. you know, it's like if you see, you know, female dancers and only female dancers, when you see a male dancer, people are like, oh, that's weird, you know. Right. So it's just that, it's just a matter of like, you know, it hasn't been seen. And a lot of the, the problem is that, you know, we haven't been seen just because we've been like held underwater, you know, by, you know, society, um, you know, and it's and it's awful glass ceilings and limitations and, you know, the, the patriarchy and the whole, you know, the whole gamut. So, um, yeah, it's, it, we haven't been seen. And once we're seen and, and, um, and uh, and almost like allowed, <laughs> like yeah. break through, break through these ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous limitations. Then, you know, then we can just sort of get on with like more important yeah. things. Like, like it's like actually- a stepping stone where you have to like initially. Like I, I, I see somewhat the necessity of this this step in culture, but again, it's it's so sort of annoying to me. Like when you have to like. It is. Market yeah. again, like market as a oh, I I'm a gay musician, I'm a black musician. Is like it becomes part of the shtick, as opposed to mm-hmm. just being like this is about music and it's about you know something that I have yeah. to share with you through music. But like, yeah, I mean, I'm encouraged at the moment by by you know like the shift and the you know I feel like there's been a shift even just in the last yeah. five years, um, and it's encouraging, you know. And I'm I'm teaching a younger generation of 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 um, women, you know, and hmm. uh, non-binary musicians. So it's, you know, and it's encouraging um, because they're awesome and they're really, yeah. Then they're not they're, they're not gonna they're not gonna stand back like I did, you know, and just like, you know, like they're not gonna tolerate certain hmm. things. So did you which, did you feel like you had to sort of like? Well, I mean, and I guess I still I still do. Um, you know, to a certain extent, but I'm just, I, I basically just, I'm like, I'm just going to do my thing and I'm, you know, and trying not to think about it too much. And and then I'm going to leave, you know, (laughs) 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 which sounds, which sounds awful. I don't mean for it to sound negative, but it's just, just like, yeah, I'm going to turn up to my job and then I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to play and I'm going to do a good job and then I'm, I'm going to leave, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just, you know, it's, it's just a whole other level where, you know, you, you know, you go to a gig and you play and then, you know, you're, you're on the way to, you know, get some water and someone hands you the check as if you're the, you know, like, you've had that happen before. Yeah. Several oh. times. Oh yeah. Gosh. You know, just like, sort of like, you know, what? Like, I know, like, this, that's just like the tip of the iceberg, but there's just things like that, like, you know, there's these little, little tiny things yeah. that sort of add up to creating this feeling of otherness, yeah. you know, which is, which is, which is a term that I think is so perfect for it, you know. Um, it, it seems so like it, it, yeah. it's connected to, well, I mean, because I, I, I noticed I, I was talking to my wife earlier today about this, and she was just saying that, like, yeah, that's, 
that's everywhere. Like I was like, is that is that really still happening everywhere? I mean, again, oh, yeah. it's, it's you, you're so blind to it if it's, if it's not, if you're not really experiencing it in your own life. But she's, I, I guess, I'm just ignoring her because she's told me these stories, or I haven't like I didn't put that together that this was a consistent motif in her life too. Because she she's a, um, I mean, she works she works at a fi- in fine dining and she's like a cocktail cocktail artist. Mm-hmm. I think that would be the mm-hmm. name for it. And mm-hmm. she's had so many customers say, "Oh, there must have been a man behind this drink, right?" <laughs> I, I, did, I didn't see so I didn't see the 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 bartender. Who can you give the bartender my yeah. my compliments? And yeah. she's like, "Yeah, actually, I I made it for you." Yes, I know. <laughs> I mean, people people you know, there's there's no there's no limit to stupidity, is there? <laughs> Um, but how do you, you know, re? I mean, you said like it's partially just exposing people to, to seeing you know, okay, seeing somebody with blue eyes playing the trumpet. Yeah, or, yeah exactly. <laughs> but, it's the same thing, you know. But um, unless, uh, like, I, I, it seems like the, the so the assumption is that if we can get to a place where, like, do you think it's we're going to be at a place someday where it's like it's just as common to see women and men in in every occupation, or is there yeah, still going to be I sort of a. So. I hope so. I mean, to me, it's like, like, come on, we're we're, we're late. We're late to the party here. You know? Yeah. Like this, this, this is clearly something that should have happened. It, you know, there, there should, there should never have, have been this, you know, this segregation, this separation in the, in the first place. Yeah. Um, and it's a long, it's a long time going. However, every generation seems to, to there's improvements. Like for example, you know the scene is a lot better than now than it was when my teacher was was going through it, and she was the lead trumpet player of the Benny Goodman Orchestra and worked with Jerry Mulligan. You know, and the things that she had to endure, like I, hmm. those are the things that I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. like, that's you know. So I mean, I have my own sort of you know annoyances and 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 things, you know. But but you know, hopefully this next generation aren't going to need to to bother with it. So it's part of, you know, I'm like, I'll, you know, it's like, take, take, take one for the team. Like I'm, I'm doing all this. So partially to sort of be an example. Yeah. My, my, one of my most important jobs I think is to be seen. I talk about this a lot. Like I do a lot of sort of masterclasses and workshops and, and Mm. talks about this, this sort of thing, because a lot of people, you know, (laughs) have still like never seen like a woman, band leader or a woman mm. jazz musician um you know and especially in you know there's there's hundreds thousands of, of jazz courses and you know 99 percent of them are, are men you know so right. so the other the other one percent you know don't really <laughs> you know I, I, and it's 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 this sort of universal thing that no matter sort of like what country that i'm i'm in and if i walk into a, a room of like jazz students and there's probably like maybe there's there's one, you know, like like female or non-binary person, and and they just have this wide-eyed look, like oh, right, oh, it's possible, and that's all it takes. Like I don't mm. have to say anything, I don't need to play, even. It's just I just need to be seen. Like literally, I could leave, and then right. and, and my job it's is almost, done. You know, it's not something that. You know, it almost makes me think about earlier we were talking about like how how you l- learn things or especially how you learn improvisation. It's like mm-hmm. you don't want people to have to to do a bunch of like, oh, that's a woman and consciously thinking, but women can do this too. You want to just yeah. be a passive like you don't think about it. It just sort of, oh, yeah, okay, this is... 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, there's too many. There's a lot of unnecessary steps there. Yeah. (laughs) That are are sort of detracting from what's actually going on, which is like a human is like playing some music and, you know, you either like it or not, you know. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I was like, I was... I don't know what I was going to say. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> right. I, w- I was going to say something, but it's gone. <laughs> One of the other things I wanted to, uh, and maybe we should we should wrap it up in a little bit. Um, but I, 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 I think I heard that you when you kind of came up with the idea for the album that you did with with James Ship, mm-hmm. you were at like some sort of a Zen school, or like you were, there was something to do with Zen. Oh yeah, that was that was the festival of new trumpet music. That was our first gig, and it was held at like a Zen center. So that was just like the venue that that we happened to be okay. Here, okay, because I, I okay no, I, and now I'm remembering why I was thinking two two times we'd met because I I took your little uh, you did like a a drum a trumpet like group class on Zoom earlier oh. in last year, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I just I remember though one of the key things that I mean. <laughs> It, a lot of it was kind of above me. I, I know you were trying to make an attempt to make it very, very general, very easy to grasp onto. But one of the things that that did really stick with me in my totally uneducated trumpet brain was just the breathing techniques. Mm-hmm. And it, it like it really reminded me of some of the stuff we learned. Uh, my brother in law did a little bit of like a, a yoga challenge. Was that 2019? Yeah, I think so. Okay, but like so much. It, there's something about breathing that kind of puts you in a different headspace, especially breathing really deeply. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I was just yeah. wondering what, have you thought of, I mean, like, was there, is there any sort of deeper connection to like Buddhist philosophy or, or Zen thought or that's, that's kind of like woven into your inspiration for, I mean, I've read, I've, I've read, I've read Zen guitar, which is okay. really good. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, I mean, I'm not, yeah, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not a Buddhist, um, but I, I dig it. I think it's really awesome. Um, you know, to, to me, it's, yeah, it does share like, um, some similarities with that whole, um, sort of deep relaxation, um, lack of tension, um, and and to me it's like the 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 breath when i'm talking about my trumpet like warm-ups i'm always saying it's breathing and then buzzing and then everything else like breathing mm. is a really big part of it because to me it's like putting gas in the tank you know so it's mm. like you know you just got to make sure that like everything over training your lungs yeah. so that way they can mm-hmm. absolutely and so you you just you're training your body to act on a reflex Right. And so, so, you know, I think breathing exercises are really um, amazing for, for actually playing the instrument, but, but also getting your, your mindset in the right spot. It's almost like bringing your attention, like, yes, you are, you know, you are present, hmm. you know, in, in this practice. Like letting go of, because I mean, that, that seems to be a lot of what... <sighs> I, I got I, I'm 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 a Christian and I've grown up in Christian circles and and so mm-hmm. the the Bible and all that it's very familiar to me and I just like mm-hmm. s- started to I guess probably after after doing the yoga class I was like well, okay so what, what's this about there's there's something that's really interesting about there's something that's like that was, was like moving and it was reaching me in a certain 
way. And so I tried to do a little bit of, of read. I tried to read a book by the Dalai Lama. That <laughs> seems like that was a, a, a bad choice. I don't know. It, it was so difficult really? to, um, I don't know. It, 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 it was like, a, I think he was talking to a, to a, a group of people that had been primed for a totally different, uh, it's like, it seemed like there was so much stuff that should be landing, but I just like couldn't get past the surface level of just like nothingness and impermanence. It was just like, oh, it, it, it felt yeah. like, like nihilism or it just felt like just everything's pointless. And I, and I couldn't, right. I couldn't... love that though. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what lands about that for you? Oh, well to, to me, I just like, well, that, you know, I mean, it's maybe, maybe it's from like reading sort of existential books as, as a teen or something. But to me, I'm like, I love that, that I, it, to me, it's freeing because it's like, well, then you can, you know, you, you, you can, you can do whatever you want, you know, obviously within reasons, but <laughs> you know, it's like not like hurting anyone, you know, um, you know, but to me, it's like, just sort of like, it, it, it brings you back to the present, like, you know, yeah. sort of planning for sort of future events that may right. or may not happen. And you're not dwelling in mm. the past because it's already happened and there's nothing that you can do. So I really, I, I just, you know, and, and it also just takes the pressure off. Like, I've, yeah. you know, it takes you away from that. I've got to do this. Otherwise this isn't going to happen or this or this or this or this. It's right. just like, I'm just going to do my best. And I'm just going to do this thing. And if it, you know, I guess that, I guess that's sort of my business philosophy is like, yeah, just let go of the stipulations of like, what, what is the genre? What does the crowd want? Who cares? I just got to be in this moment. Right. Yeah. And it's just like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I mean, like, for example, like I categorized my, you know, partly it's that sort of Australian, like everything is a (laughs) sort of mentality, but I can't, I categorized my first album, like the CD baby. I was, is my distributor and, and, and I, and they're like, you gotta, you gotta put it in three genres. I was like, uh, jazz, I guess jazz. And I don't know. And I was like, oh, new age. Yeah. 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 (laughs) You know? But what's really, you know, but what's funny is that I ended up like getting a call from someone who wanted like a new age trumpet player, hmm. you know, so it's sort of like, and, wow. and I, and it ended up, I mean, this is crazy, but it ended up being, um, Richie Blackmore from Deep Purple. It's like, he's got this sort of like Renaissance folk rock. Band. Wow. And I ended up like in his basement, like sort of like singing. That's backing so vocals, neat. Like, you know, so it's just sort of like. It doesn't matter what you categorize it at because, you know, things are going to either happen or not happen. And there's like, you know, maybe some crazy yeah. things are going to or fun things are going to sort of come from that. And so that's sort of my philosophy. Yeah. I just feel like I feel like I've been sort of like, you know, tossed about in the wind so much, you know, mm-hmm. in my in my career, I mean, starting off as like wanting to be a rock producer and then ending up as like a trumpet right. player. <laughs> like that's, that's, you know, it's just sort of like, look, things are just going to be what they are. You, right. know? you can try and control it, but you know, there's sometimes you, you gotta, you gotta stop protesting. And I think that that way of saying it though, that things are going to be what they are does, mm-hmm. it does, uh, deflate the nihilism thing a little bit because mm-hmm. there's an assumption that there is something that things actually are and yeah. it's like y- y- if you bring too much of your own anxiety too much of your own expectations or your own fears or your own biases mm-hmm. to the table then you sometimes you can't enter into that yeah yeah and i think especially as you know as creative people you know we we all right, of that stuff right. is like just the worst thing like 
you know, that's that's what's going to give us the blocks and the, the creative blocks and the mental blocks and um, and sort of self-perpetuate this this feeling of like not being enough, you know. So it's like it's, you know, finding ways of trying to let that go, whether it's like, yeah, deep breathing or just trying to put it in perspective. Like I remember... I remember reading once and it really stuck with me. It's like, if you had like a problem that you think is a big deal, then you just think of, you think of outer space. Like you think, think of where you are mm. and then you sort of zoom out. Right. So you've gone past the atmosphere and then you go past, past the moon and you pass, go to the edge, like, and right. you look and you're like, what's your problem again? Like what, mm. what, <laughs> yeah. what are you worried about? You know? So to me, it's just like, you know, we're, we, it's, we're here for, you know, not to be all, you know, deep, but, but it's like, you know, we're, we're here for such a short time. And I think this last year has really just right. accentuated that for a lot of us. And so it's like, you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter if you put synths on your jazz record, you know, <laughs> 21, you know, and it doesn't matter if it's not even a jazz record. Cause it, you know, it doesn't like none of that stuff matters like at all. You know, so it's just like just write something that you like, because you know it it will it will yeah <laughs> it will soon all be gone. Well, it's almost like <laughs> like liking it is a little bit of a clue that there might be something like there might be something actually real there. Yeah, I just think if you if you write if you try if, and it's hard to do. I'm not saying it's easy by any stretch, but it's like if you write try and write things that you enjoy or things that that you like. To me, it, it's like that puzzle thing like you're hunting for clues you know hmm. and it's like you can't see you know you can only see what's like right you know right in front of you and so you're just trying to like pick from from you know what you can see and then that's going to lead you into a certain path so I feel like I feel like my whole life is like that but sort right. of musically too like when you know it's like I'm working on this thing at the moment and I'm like I have no idea what it's going to be so you've, you know, you've been spending some time on the moon recently I have I have <laughs> I've been spending a lot of time just just hanging out, hanging out with, with, with uh, the man in the moon, just having, had drinking some coffee. Well, I, I hope there's eventually a, a Nadia Nordhaus original called like Portal to the Moon or something like that. Deep, deep, deep space. <laughs> nothing, 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 nothing really matters. It's like a sequel. It's it's the sequel to Metallica's "Nothing Else Matters." <laughs> nothing. Like, no, like nothing really matters. <laughs> Great, you know, I, I think that's a good place. I, I think that's a good a good little lesson to take home. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for for taking a couple hours to chat with me. This has been really so nice. Oh, it's been really fun. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, that was interesting. If you enjoyed this conversation, consider sharing it with someone else you think might find it interesting. Even better, try to find someone you think might disagree with something here and take some time to listen to their perspective. Try to have a meaningful, good-faith conversation. Practice listening deeply and patiently and speaking clearly and precisely. I think if we can get better at this, we might actually change the world. Anyway, thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time.